I want you to hit me as hard as you can. One could be forgiven if there was a time when you heard the name Christian Slater and the only things that came to mind were failed TV series and direct video duds. But before those, Christian Slater actually was the king of teen 80s angst. While his contemporaries like Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, and Judd Nelson were labeled the Brat Pack, Slater was making his own way with dark comedies such as Heathers and Pump Up the Volume. His performances were a little more dark and poetic than his teeny bopper peers at the time. It's hard to find another actor who can compare to him, except maybe Jack Nicholson, but only because they sound the same. Slater actually starred in a stage production of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but Christian Slater is more than just some dude doing a bad Jack Nicholson impression. He is a true testament of cool. The coolest of cool. He's a charming rascal with a mischievous smirk that's timeless. Mr. Slater is always reliable. He's never really delivered a bad performance, but he is usually like a cherry on top of a cinematic Sunday. You're usually sitting there watching a good movie and you're like, oh yeah, Christian Slater's in this, cool. He often steals many scenes from actors who are considered his superior. So you gotta respect that. When I told a friend that Christian Slater would be the next WTF subject, this friend then said, cool, what are some of the movies that Christian Slater's in? And I instantly and enthusiastically responded, oh, lots of things, like Heathers and... and True Romance and... um... and just lots of things. But I drew a blank. I felt great shame. So the real question wasn't what the f*** happened to Christian Slater. The real question was, what the fuck happened to me? Then, when taking a deep dive into the research provided by my research team, a dude named Brad, I constantly found myself saying, oh yeah, he was in that, and that, and that, oh yeah, and that. So in case you are like me, I feel like it's time to remind the world how gosh darn awesome Christian Slater is. And what the fuck happened to him because this is what the fuck happened to Christian Slater. What did you say, dickhead? I'll repeat myself. And now a quick word from our sponsor. If you like and support this channel, then please go check out our new sponsor. They're good people and they provide a great product of CBD. I just took some right now. At least I, I think that's what I took. That's right, moviegoers. Visit PalomaVerdeCBD.com for all your CBD needs. Get 25% off everything in their store when you use promo code JOEBLOW. Once again, visit PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Enjoy the show. But to truly understand what the f*** happened to Christian Slater, we must start at the beginning, and the beginning began when he was born, on his birthday, New York City, 1969. And at the age of eight years old, Christian Slater landed his first role on the soap, One Life to Live. And at 11, he was starring opposite Dick Van Dyke in the Broadway musical, The Music Man, about a man who's made of music. 
1985, Christian Slater finally made it to the big screen, opposite someone who's not related to him named Helen Slater, in the teen drama The Legend of Billie Jean. The following year, he would appear opposite the late great Sean Connery in the medieval drama The Name of the Rose. And just the fact that at that stage in his career, he was already sharing scenes with the great Sean Connery, everyone knew Christian Slater was something special. Then he got to be in the Francis Ford Coppola carmaker biopic, Tucker, the Man and His Dream, in 1988. The car of tomorrow. Today. Slater would then have his first starring role in one of the most totally radical flicks of all time, Gleaming the Cube, playing a skateboarder trying to solve his brother's murder. And Gleaming the Cube is simply defined as pushing your limits to the edge. And that's what Christian Slater does every time. He pushes it to the edge. He gleams the f**k out of that cube and you should too every day in your life the film's tech advisor was one of those original z boys from dogtown and this is the first film that tony hawk ever appeared in if you've ever heard of tony hawk so now you know this movie has some legit skating street cred yo brah christian slater said that he hated wearing his helmet in the film because it looked phallic and was not cool well, Mr. Slater, I think safety is very cool, thank you very much. And I'm sure that there's some people out there that think phallic shapes are cool too. Although the film was not a critical or a commercial success in its time, it has since garnered quite a fan base since its release. One of those cult films. One of those skateboarding cults. Are you a member? Wanna be a member? Wanna be a member? After appearing in the TV movie Desperate for Love in 1989 and opposite Martin Sheen in Beyond the Stars, also in 1989, Slater would star in one of the darkest comedies to ever dark comedy, Heathers, in 1989. The writer of this film, Derek Waters, had high hopes for the movie and he even wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct. And as much as we all would have loved Stanley Kubrick's take on high school violence, he decided to do other things, and the film is still great, with or without Stanley Kubrick. But it is fun to imagine what Kubrick would have done with this, but actually, you know what, it's fun to imagine what Kubrick would have done with, with any movie. And after Christian Slater auditioned for Heathers, he tossed his script in the trash, and he threw a big old temper tantrum, Slater style, because he assumed that he tanked the audition, and obviously he did better than he thought. So never doubt yourself, children. That's a Slater lesson. Christian Slater says he channeled Jack Nicholson for his character in the film. What a shock. And the film's initial release had pretty mixed reviews, with some calling the film's material too bleak, and others calling it the nastiest, cruelest fun you'll ever have. But in the years to come, time would show that Heathers had a huge impact on the teen genre, in the dark comedy genre, and film as an art form in general. But nowadays it would probably get cancelled. 
And even though we now think of Heathers as a classic piece of 80s cinema, the film completely bombed, pulling in 1.1 million buckaroos. Which sounds like a lot if you don't have 1.1 million buckaroos, but it's it's not a lot in the eyes of Hollyweird. But I guess you can't be an official cult classic if you made a lot of money. Only Christian Slater can make murder and suicide involving teens seem like a fun time at the movies. And when I say fun, it's like it's it's for lack of a better word, but but I but I also mean fun at the same time. It's it's dark comedy. You know what I want, babe? What? Cool guys like you out of my life. Slater would next appear as the big brother in a movie called The Wizard, which is also known as a two-hour advertisement for Nintendo. The film was responsible for every kid immediately going out and buying a power glove, which I hear are bad, but not the good bad, but the bad bad. The Wizard. After supporting turns in Tales from the Dark Side the movie and Young Guns 2, Slater would pump up the teen angst in the movie. Pump up the volume! The film's director was searching for an actor who could be both sweet and full of glee, yet have an underlining demonic side. So obviously they wanted John Cusack, but he couldn't do it so they got Christian Slater. And he did wonderful. And Christian Slater actually got sick several times during production due to all the cigarettes he had to smoke. So that's another Slater lesson, kids. Don't, don't smoke. We're all learning so much from the life of Christian Slater, thank you. The writer-director of the film described the lead character and his radio alter ego as a combination of controversial comedian Lenny Bruce and Catcher in the Rye's Holden Caulfield. So two of the most iconic, rebellious characters of all time, real and, and fictitious, wrapped up together to make this character that only Christian Slater could deliver, because John Cusack couldn't. And that romantic chemistry that you saw on the screen was real, because Christian Slater and his co-star Samantha Mathis were in a relationship, a real-life relationship, during the time of filming. Aww, but I think they broke up, so aww, but I don't care, so ah. And you might be wondering, why doesn't Christian Slater's character drive a car in this movie? Well, I have the answer for you, and it's not a good one. Because during production, Christian Slater had a suspended license due to his second DUI arrest. That's bad, bad. Not, not the good bad. But Slater was nominated for the Best Male Lead at the Independent Spirit Awards, so that's bad. The good bad. The film would only make $11.5 million at the box office, but positive reviews have propelled this film into that all-important status. Cult status. Christian Slater has so many cults. We can call them Christian cults. Actually, we probably shouldn't. That would be very confusing. Like, hey, want to join my Christian cult? And they'd be like, okay, and then we just watch Pump Up the Volume on loop. Some people might get the wrong idea. I don't know.
1991 would be a very good year for Christian Slater, kicking it off with a very strong supporting role in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the one with Kevin Kastner. And to this day, this remains the highest grossing Christian Slater film ever. $400 million worldwide. Critics were split on the film, some calling it pure escapism entertainment, while others referred to it as a disgrace to the source material. Sir Robin would be turning in his grave if he saw this, they said. And when Robin Hood jumps over the castle and Christian Slater says, f**k me, he cleared it, that was improvisation. And even though it's kind of historically inaccurate, it was hilarious, so the director kept it because Christian Slater is more important than history. And it's funny. And this role was originally offered to Johnny Depp, who didn't want to do it, so they got Christian Slater. And I really like Christian Slater in this film. He just, he just makes it more fun. He completely changes the tone of the film in a, in a good way. And that is what he is best at. Making a pretty okay movie slightly more pretty okay. And Slater, unfortunately, would actually be nominated for the Golden Raspberry Award, commonly known as the Razzie, for Worst Supporting Actor. For this movie, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and his next movie, Mobsters. There was a rich man from Nottingham who tried to cross the river. What a dope, he tripped on a rope. Now look at him shiver! Beg for mercy, rich man! And in the movie Mobsters, Christian Slater plays a mobster. Another role that Johnny Depp didn't want to do. So they got Christian Slater. The film was savaged by the critics who called it Gangster Movie 101. With the violence being so over the top that it undermined the plot. And you should never undermine that plot. Mobsters pulled in just over 20 million dollars. Either I agree to, uh, kill my friends, or you kill me. That's right. I don't accept the choices. And Christian Slater's mother, Mary Jo Slater, was the casting director of the film Star Trek VI? The Undiscovered Country. And this mama knew that her son was a huge Star Trek fan. So she cast him as a walk-on role, as a communications officer. Slater was paid $705 for the role and he never cashed the check. He just framed it, because he's a nerd. The year 1992 would start off with the action comedy Cuffs. And in the movie Cuffs, the role of George Cuffs was specifically written for Slater. And this movie Cuffs received generally negative reviews, saying that it took itself too seriously when it should have been more comical. And audiences agreed it only made like $21 million at the box office. Yet this is one of those films that has gained that important cult status. There you go, another cult. And of course he had a voice in Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. He played a jealous fairy. I freaking love Fern Gully, and I, I personally stopped tearing down the rainforest after watching this movie. Keep the stereo, dude. Thanks, dude. Hey, he's not going all Why, he was a nice guy. 
He then took on another role that Johnny Depp turned down in a movie called Untamed Heart in 1993. And in that same year, 1993, Slater would star in the Quentin Tarantino scripted, Tony Scott directed classic true romance. Slater and Scott had different interpretations of how the character should be played, so Scott gave Christian Slater a copy of Taxi Driver and told him to do his homework. You thought it was pretty fucking funny, didn't you, huh? And everybody's favorite producer, Harvey Weinstein, told Warner Brothers to fire Christian Slater because he was too good-looking for the part. And Harvey Weinstein actually wanted Steve Buscemi for the role. But Christian Slater is the perfect leading man for this wild, ensemble, batshit, crazy masterpiece of a movie. And without the coolness of Christian Slater, this thing could have easily spun out of control. But Christian holds it all together, spitting out those Tarantino lines like it was his saliva. The film was released to overwhelmingly positive reviews with everybody praising the dialogue and the performances. Yet nobody went to see it. It grossed $13 million at the box office, but like with all of those other Christian Slater movies, it achieved cult status. And Empire Magazine even ranked it as the 83rd greatest film of all time. After appearing opposite Joe Pesci and Jimmy Hollywood, which made $4 million on a $30 million budget, Slater would appear opposite Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Antonio Banderas, and Kirsten Dunst in the big screen adaptation of Anne Rice's novel, Interview with a Vampire. And he perfectly fits into this all-star cast. Once again, holding it all together with his coolness because this movie too could have spun out of control. And this role that Christian Slater took on was originally going to be played by River Phoenix who tragically passed away of a drug overdose before filming could begin. So Slater, who was also struggling with a drug addiction at the time, was brought in as the replacement. And in a true testament to the character of Christian Slater, he donated his entire interview with a vampire salary to River Phoenix's favorite charities. It's very nice of you, Christian. Critics were kind of split on the film, but everybody loved the gothic look. And with a $60 million budget, the film made $224 million worldwide. And these vampires didn't even sparkle. Don't be frightened. Like a lot of the teenage rebel stars of the 80s, Slater was no stranger to trouble, having several run-ins with the law, mostly due to his out-of-control drug abuse and drinking. And in 1994, he was sentenced to 100 days of rehab, followed by a three-month stint in jail. Jail. After a two-day heroin, cocaine, and alcohol binge. But Christian Slater has remained sober for over 15 years, saying that work is his hobby, but staying sober is his job. So yet another lesson that everybody can learn from Christian Slater is that you can do it too. If the pump-up-the-volume guy can do it, yeah, yeah, you can do it. So do it, please. I've just realized a lot of things about myself, and uh, I want to take the necessary actions now to um, clean up the mess and um, become as much a part of the solution as opposed to the problem. 
So, when it comes to Christian Slater and his legal issues, most of them seem to involve drugs, alcohol, but occasionally there was domestic abuse. Violence. Some of this stuff turned out to not be exactly true, but uh, he wasn't exactly a good guy during these times either. So I'm gonna let you decide on Christian Slater's moral status. Is he a good person or is he a bad person? I'm choosing to believe that he is now a good person. Yay! I didn't do anything. This is bull****. 1995 would see Christian Slater take on the role of a public defender in the fact-based Alcatraz crime thriller, Murder in the First, opposite Kevin Bacon and Gary Oldman. So Christian Slater has one degree to Kevin Bacon. Reviews were split down the middle on this, saying that Christian Slater felt a bit too young for the part, and the film only made $17.3 million on a $23 million budget. But I remember going to Alcatraz on a tour back when you could do that, and almost every tour guide would mention this movie, so the movie did make an impact. After starring in the PG-rated romantic comedy Bed of Roses, Slater would switch it up with the hard R John Woo slow-mo dove-flying action flick Broken Arrow, opposite John Travolta, and his ex-girlfriend Samantha Mathis. Impressively, Christian Slater did all of his own stunts in the movie. You're out of your mind. Yeah. Ain't it cool? I'm serious, Deke. Your mind is taking a walk off the map. Maybe, but I'm still gonna kick your ass. And this was Slater's first big action film that required lots of physicality. So he gave up smoking for it. It's another Christian Slater lesson. You, could, you can give up smoking too. And heroin. The film had very mixed reviews, including one of the most infamous episodes of Siskel and Ebert ever, where Siskel initially gave the film a thumbs up, yet when Ebert gave his dissenting opinion for the film, Siskel, for the first and only time, turned his upward thumb downward. Mid-episode. The 90s were a crazy time, man. This is a really solid 90s action movie with phenomenal performances from everyone involved. The film would make $150 million at the box office on a $50 million budget. And as of this moment, this is the last film to feature Christian Slater that would gross over $100 million. Cameos don't count. Speaking of cameos that don't count, he was in Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, the first one, 1997. And I know some of you were like, what? He was in that? I don't remember. I was like that when I first read this piece of information. But apparently this was not featured in the American version of the film, which is the one I saw because I'm an American. I guess America wasn't ready for this Christian Slater cameo. Everything seems to be in order. Everything seems to be in order. After appearing in the movies Julian Poe and Basil, Slater would take on another action hero role in the movie Hard Rain. The film had mostly negative reviews, with most saying it was too hard to suspend belief to make the film entertaining. 
but I could suspend my belief just fine, and I like the movie a lot, so, so sh shut up, okay, please? But the film only made $20 million on a $70 million budget. A lot of people hate this movie, Morgan Freeman's one of them, but I appreciate this movie. It's a big, dumb, late 90s action movie, and they just don't make those anymore. I guess because it's not the 90s, but this is a true lost art form. And I think Hard Rain deserves a second look, maybe even a third. Slater would then return to the dark comedy for a movie called Very Bad Things about a bachelor party in Vegas gone wrong. And those critics, those damn pesky critics, they didn't like the movie. With Siskel and Ebert calling it one of the worst films of 1998. Anno Domini. The film had a $30 million budget but failed to make even $10 million at the box office. But yet, as you can probably predict, in the years since it has gained a cult following. Because of its very dark humor and lots of people like very dark humor. Are you one of those people? You probably are. I know you are. I can, I can feel it. Then came the new millennium, the year 2000, and with that new millennium he could be seen in the Academy Award-nominated political drama, The Contender, playing a Delaware Democratic House Judicial Committee member. He said he took on the role because he was intrigued on how the script dealt with people's principles. The film made less than $20 million worldwide, but had very positive reviews. Many appreciating the film's ability to stir up conversation after you watch it. The next year, the year 2001, would see Slater appear in three vastly different projects. First up, he would reunite with Robin Hood, Kevin Kastner, in 3,000 Miles to Graceland, a notorious bomb that made $18 million worldwide, far below its $62 million price tag. Next up was Who is Cletus Tout? Toot? And it had a $9 million budget, but only made like $200,000. Slater would then finish out the year 2001 with a fantastic cameo in the movie Zoolander, playing himself on the red carpet talking about how much he loves Zoolander. Slater's great at cameos. It's always good to see a Christian Slater cameo. Then he was in a movie called Hard Cash with Val Kilmer. The film went direct to video, which would become a Slater trend just a few years later. He would then reunite with John Woo in the movie Wind Talkers, a World War II movie starring Nicolas Cage. This was unfortunately another box office bomb on Slater's resume, only making $77 million on a $115 million budget. Then he would have a three-episode arc on the West Wing, playing Lieutenant Commander Jack Reese. 2003 would see Christian Slater star as crew guy number one in the notoriously bad film Masked and Anonymous. The film has a very strong cast because everybody wanted to work with Bob Dylan, but that doesn't mean the movie's gonna be good, because it's not good. Slater would then guest star in two episodes of the popular ABC show Alias. The year 2003 would kick off with Slater starring as Winston Churchill in Churchill, The Hollywood Years. A British satire. The film was released only theatrically in the UK where it grossed $500,000. 
with one critic saying that in trying to mock bad movies, they simply made one. He would then be in another underperforming film, Mine Hunters, from director Rennie Harlan. The film took in $21 million against a $27 million budget, and critics didn't care for it either. It was quickly forgotten. I forgot about it. And actually, the only memorable thing about this movie is Christian Slater's death scene. Slater would then go direct to video in The Confessor. Then came the year 2005, and that brought the movie Alone in the Dark. And although Alone in the Dark was theatrically released, many people felt that it shouldn't have been. It should have gone straight to video. It should have gone straight to the dumpster, which currently has the honor of being the 13th worst ranked film on IMDb. That internet movie database. The film cost $20 million to make and pulled in 12, 12 million, and has a rare 1% on Rotten Tomatoes, with someone from Eclipse magazine saying, if you don't take it seriously, you'll have a fun time. But no, no you won't. Time. 2006 would see Christian Slater star in the direct-to-video sequel to Hollow Man called Hollow Man 2, where he played the Hollow Man 2. And you can guess what the critical response to this one was, right? Yeah, it, it wasn't good. He would then show up in an episode of My Name is Earl, and make an appearance in the large ensemble cast for the Emilio Estevez-directed film Bobby for which he and the rest of the cast were nominated for Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture at the 2007 SAG Awards. And I don't know if any of y'all have seen Bobby, but it is like one of the most intense, insane movies I've ever seen. I cannot tell if it's horrible or amazing. Just every scene is like a climax. Every scene, every character has an crazy monologue or has an epiphany and it's just like it's almost too much but that kind of makes it great so i don't know what do y'all think about bobby and by the way it all takes place the night that robert kennedy was killed i don't want another goddamn job paul then later mr slater would be in a movie called he was a quiet man about a man who goes to work one day with the intent of going on a murderous rampage, only to be deemed a hero when he stops a co-worker from doing the same. And the film actually won several awards in the film festival circuit, with critics calling it a pitch-perfect black comedy. Or dark comedy. Are black comedies the same thing as dark comedies? Yet the film would only make $2,431. $2,431. Four hundred and thirty-one dollars. He would next be seen in writer-director Sir Anthony Hopkins' mind f**k of a movie called Splitstream. And I don't really even know how to describe this film. It's about a writer who slips in and out of his mind and fantasies and you never really know what is real and what isn't. 
kind of like now? Critics and audiences were very confused, and the film also didn't make any money. It made like $27,000 worldwide. Slater's last project of 2007 would make a whopping $1 million. That's, that's more than the others. When Slater voiced Moses in the animated retelling of the Ten Commandments. 2008 would kick it off with Love Lies Bleeding, a direct-to-video effort that seemed to come and go without anybody even noticing. Did you notice? Slater would then provide his voice to the animated film Igor. The film tanked at the box office. I mean, why am I here? You can drop that slur around me. I don't even make my egos talk that way. Isn't that right, Igor? Oh, oh, that's right, Master. 2008 would also see the first of what will become Christian Slater's calling card for the next several years. Well-received, yet ultimately canceled TV shows. He would star in the Secret Agent NBC series My Own Worst Enemy, and despite praise for the show's writing and Slater's sly performance, the ratings just weren't there and the show was canceled after four episodes. Four! 2009 would continue Slater's direct-to-video path with Dolan's Cadillac based off of a Stephen King short story. And Lies and Illusions. And another failed series aptly titled The Forgotten. Cause it was forgotten. He would then pop up in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm playing himself. That's always funny. And he would also pop up in an episode of The Office, and that's always funny. Oh, and he would pop up in an episode of Entourage playing himself, and that's always funny. In the year 2011, we would see Slater star in four lackluster movies, and another short-lived TV series. He would play a priest in Sacrifice, an FBI agent in The River Murders, and another Elvis impersonator in Guns, Girls, and Gambling and I'm assuming the love interest to Eva Longoria in Without Men. He would then star in a series called Breaking In on Fox. And my co-writer slash researcher Brad actually appeared in the show's final episode, believe it or not. Researcher Brad was a background performer at the Star Wars cantina scene. Look, you can see him there, there he is. He's the handsome one playing the hell out of the sax. And Brad had a pleasant, wonderful experience working with Christian Slater, who was directing the episode. And he says that Christian Slater went around and professionally and friendly introduced himself to everyone, shaking their hands, telling them thanks for being here and that he appreciates them. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just a, nice, a nice guy. We got, a, we got a guy, a researcher on the front lines, and he is reporting back that Christian Slater is nice. So that's, that's nice. Hi, I'm Christian Slater. Thanks for being here. That's the worst Christian Slater impression ever. Or the worst Jack Nicholson impression ever. I don't know. But of course, this show breaking in would unfortunately suffer a similar fate to Slater's other shows. Then came the apocalyptic year of 2012, and Slater must have really thought that the world was really going to end. How else would we explain the 10 movies he made that year? But luckily, the Mayans and Roland Emmerich were wrong, and we got such classics as... Playback. It made $264. Yes, $264. And he was in Soldiers of Fortune, which made $38,000. Dollars. 
but it made over a million dollars in Russia. He was in a movie called El Gringo, Freaky Deaky, Dawn Rider, Rites of Passage, which was accused of being culturally insensitive. Then he was in Hatfields and McCoy's Bad Blood, which was accused of being bad, and providing a voice in Back to the Sea. And let us not forget Assassin's Bullet. But he finally went back to theaters opposite Sylvester Stallone in Bullet to the Head, which on a $40 million budget made $21 million. 2013 wouldn't fare much better for Christian Slater. He appeared in The Power of Few, Stranded, and Assassin's Run, which has no relation to Assassin's Bullet. Then there was Nymphomaniac. And what can you say about this Lars von Trier film other than it's a Lars von Trier film that has, like, actual, like, sex in it? But the critics really loved these pornos. I mean, art house films. And Nymphomaniac was so huge and pretentious that it was broken up into two volumes and was given an NC-17 rating because penises doing things. I don't think Christian Slater does the nasty in this. I think he's just kind of like, I think he just plays a dad who's like, hey, don't do that. Uh, I'm not sure. But Christian Slater really wanted to be in this movie and sent in a taped audition to Lars von Trier and he put on makeup to make himself seem older and, you know, Lars von Trier was like, sure, why not be in my movie? And this uh, art house film made $18 million worldwide. This made the lime tree so sad. From then on, the lime tree decided to have heart-shaped leaves. Then there was 2014, which was another year that had other projects. And those projects were Ask Me Anything and The Way of the Wicked. Oh, and another ill-fated show called Mind Games. But the show was canceled a month after its premiere. 2015, we would see Christian Slater pop up in a cameo in Hot Tub Time Machine 2, and a supporting role in the James Franco movie The Adderall Diaries. And since Christian Slater is probably the best person to play Christian Slater, he was cast as himself, Christian Slater, in a cameo to the series finale of Two and a Half Men. And who are you? My name is Christian Slater. I'm an actor. Right? I was in a bar, this guy hands me a drink, Next thing I know, I wake up in a hotel room dressed like a 12-year-old with a screaming woman in the closet. You're right. Then the governor of California. The bitch stole my watch! And then there was the comeback. The mighty, mighty comeback. All great actors should have one. Like a phoenix rising from the cinematic ashes the world is suddenly reminiscent of why we loved this person in the first place. And for Christian Slater, that phoenix came with playing a role in Mr. Robot. Casting directors instantly knew that he was the guy. They were like, that's him, instantly, we know. He knew that he had a hit on his hands and he was gonna do his best. And he did his best. He said that on set he could feel that he was making something special and completely different and original. Are you ready now? Slater loved working on Mr. Robot so much that he eventually became a producer on the show. 
and the pilot was actually shot as a feature-length film, and it won the Audience Award at South by Southwest. And Slater loved finally being on a successful TV show. He said that it's exciting to have finally found a character that works and people enjoy. It's great to not get cancelled. The show had constant acclaim, everybody who has seen this show loves it, and they constantly tell me that I need to watch it. And I constantly tell them, it's in my queue. Some critics said that this series defined the decade. So I guess I should watch it because I lived in that decade. And Christian Slater would be nominated for a plethora of awards for Mr. Robot, most notably winning the Golden Globe Award. So from now on, we can officially say Golden Globe winner Christian Slater. If you give a fuck about the Golden Globes. That's a little late for that, don't you think? And since Mr. Robot was so successful, Golden Globe winner Christian Slater's film work had to slow down. Appearing in one limited release film in 2016, a James Franco-produced movie called King Cobra, where he would play the owner of an adult film company. Scandalous. And he would do a voice in the American version of the French animated film Mune, Guardian of the Mune. But his biggest role of that year came playing opposite Academy Award nominee Glenn Close in The Wife. And of course, the film The Wife was widely praised, especially Glenn Close's performance. But many critics stepped out of their way to mention that Christian Slater was also amazing in the film. And Glenn Close would have been nothing without him. 2018, we would see Golden Globe winner Christian Slater reunite with director Emilio Estevez for The Public. The film had a very limited release in the USA, only making like $600,000. Critics found the film's intentions commendable, but felt that the execution lacked focus. It's okay, Emilio, you'll get him next time. He would then voice Deadshot in an R-rated Suicide Squad cartoon. And critics actually really enjoyed this direct-to-video adventure. And then came the year 2020. He would play a true-life character, Dan Broderick, in season two of the popular limited series Dirty John. Critics praised Slater's performance, saying that in lesser actors, the material could have felt melodramatic, but not in the hands of Christian Slater. He knew how to perfectly handle it. He Slatered it. He would then get to play superhero with Robert Rodriguez and his computers in the Shark Boy and Lava Girl follow-up, We Can Be Heroes, which was released on Netflix Christmas Day and was the streaming service's most watched program in its first week of release. But wait, I still have more to say. When you have noteworthy vocals like Mr. Slater, Golden Globe winner Christian Slater, you have to let the world hear it, and he does. So that's why he does several guest spots and lots of animated projects. Let's take a moment to look at those. Back in 2003, he popped up in an episode of The Adventures of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. He would voice Agent Brody in Odd Job Jack, Laser Lord in Stan Lee's Mighty Seven. Slater voiced the character Slater in Archer. He was in two episodes of the Disney Junior program Jake and the Neverland Pirates, and an episode of Dawn of the Croods. A few episodes of Jeff and Some Aliens, voicing Deadshot again on Justice League Action Shorts. He was Vance Maximus on Rick and Morty, and he was involved in The Lion Guard with Milo Murphy's Law, and he would voice himself in a 2020 episode of Scooby-Doo and Guess Who. So many amazing characters from such an amazing voice. Ha! 
prompt for you, losers. What is your damage, Simone? Wait, what? You know Simone? Of course he does. Christian Slater and I went to high school together, but they kicked me out. Look, Simone, you were the one with the whole clown agenda. Whether it's River Phoenix, John Cusack, or Johnny Depp, for a time, Mr. Slater was always the perfect fallback replacement guy. And I mean that in the best way possible. Slater is like that player sitting on the bench, waiting to go. And when an A-lister drops out, he is there, in the game, doing his best, snatching that ball and winning. And not only does he win the game, he reinvents it and makes it his own. And getting sober sure did help him get his career and his life back on track. It's good stuff. I would have been happy to join them. Good stuff. <laughs> this actor really is like no other. He fell into a groove, always making interesting projects to varying degrees of success. And therein lies why we are able to see a full-on Christian Slater resurgence. A Christian resurrection. The dude kept plugging away, never giving up. And many actors can fade away when it seems like their careers aren't what it used to be. But Christian Slater kept pumping up the volume and gleaming that cube. Which eventually led to him not just having a very successful show, but having one of the best shows ever made. According to people who have watched it. And that Christian resurrection is something that we are still enjoying to this very day because he has a lot of cool projects coming on the horizon. So keep your eyes on that horizon. In a life that has seen highs and lows, both personally and professionally, Golden Globe winner Christian Slater has emerged on the other side as a humble and enthusiastic person who will still walk around and shake the hand of every single background performer's hand even after a 16-hour day of working on an episode of a TV series that was canceled before it actually aired on TV. That is who the f Christian Slater is, and that is what the f happened to him. So nobody should give a f about what the f happened to Christian Slater, because he's doing just fine. Thank you for watching our show. If you like what you see, please subscribe to our Joe Blow Videos channel. Tell your friends who like this sort of content and turn on the bell to receive notifications for all our latest videos. We're an independent company and we appreciate all your support.